from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Hey, welcome to Starters of the Week, Season 2, Episode 6. I'm Owen, and I'm with Alex. Hello. Coming up, we're talking about a startup that wants to get you out on the waves, a big deal in the security space, and why Elon Musk wants to talk to your brain. I'm Owen Thomas, business editor of the San Francisco Chronicle, and this is Startups of the Week. Yes, it is. I'm filling in for Trisha Thadani, who is on a very exciting assignment in India right now. And I'm here with Alex Wilhelm of Crunchbase News. Hi, Alex. Hello. Hello. And uh, this is, if I understand it, actually not episode seven. This is episode six, part two or something. It's, It's episode, we'll call it episode 6A. So what, what happened uh, for all the loyal listeners out there, and why are we back to six, kind of, again? Uh, it's because math. <laughs> because counting. It's not our strongest suit. Um, I think we skipped a week somewhere there. I think I, think I got sick, and uh, there was some chicanery on my end on the numbering system. But anyways, this is the real, the material episode six, if you will, of, of season two of the show. So Excellent. Well, if you are listening closely enough to count episodes, we thank you kindly. <laughs> Uh, feel free to tweet at, at Alex any complaints about, uh, about our numbering scheme. But Alex, uh, so how did we pick the companies? Yeah, so we followed our tried and true season two formula. We're looking at uh, one company that's quite small, that hasn't raised money recently, that's trending on Crunchbase, kind of who's bubbling under the surface. We look for one company that raised an interesting or large amount of money in the last week. And as always, we look for one Bay Area tech company that was recently acquired. And our bias there, just so everyone knows, is we look for things that are interesting. So we don't always pick the biggest deal or the one we have the most information about, but the one that is the most like, hmm. And we want to bring to you, of course, the most interesting and juicy nuggets here from Silicon Valley. Absolutely. So uh, bubbling under the surface, uh, that is uh, very apropos for the company we picked, which is called Get My Boat. Yes. So, uh, Alex, what, uh, what can you tell me about Get My Boat? Well, um, what if you took Airbnb? And took off all the cabins and cute rooms in Austin and instead. But, had, but, I, but I like the cabins. Right. So Airbnb still exists, to be clear. But what okay. if you took, took the website and instead put boats on it? And instead of houses, you could rent boats. So it's like the Airbnb of boats. Or FMA Boat B&B. Boat B&B. Why didn't they just call it Boat B&B? I think that would have involved a very lengthy and large lawsuit. Uh, I, I think Airbnb actually has gone off, uh, gone after some folks who tried to, you know, kind of uh, steal their B and B thunder. If I, if I recall correctly, I, that would, that would not surprise me. Airbnb of course is now an enormous company worth tens of billions of dollars and was rumored uh, to be going public this year and now isn't, but on the smaller scale of things, uh, boat B and B, sorry, <laughs> get my boat, um, recently raised uh, $10 million that they've now raised, um, 11 and a half million, uh, to date. And, uh, it's all about getting people into sailboats and other sorts of ships that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. I like the model, frankly. And, and people are actually doing this. There are like 100,000 listings in countries all around the world. Um, and uh, Get My Boat uh, does actually take a, a note from Airbnb. They take 14% of the transaction. Is that so, steep or is that kind of standard? I don't, you know, I don't know. Like there's not really a standard for like being a digital middleman for boat rental transactions, <laughs> right? Fair enough. Uh, but 14%, they take 7% from the boat haver. 
and seven percent from the boat renter. So they yes. kind of cut it in half. So if you're renting a boat for a thousand dollars, I guess it would be eleven forty. Yeah, when you were done with it. And you know, I, the technical term for this, the uh, amount, the percentage, is called a rake. And so when you have a marketplace, there's a rake. How much do you rake in from each transaction? And to, to your question, is fourteen percent high or low? Um, it's a little higher than Airbnb's rake, for example. Sure. Um, you know, but again, I don't think there's a clear standard of, you know, how much you should charge. You know, the, the idea here is like, Hey, if you have a boat, it costs money just to dock it. And so any kind of incremental, uh, cost you can defray, uh, will be welcomed. And then people who couldn't afford a boat on their own can get access. That's, that's kind of the philosophy. You know, they, they love to call these things the sharing economy. <laughs> like you're sharing the boat. No, it's, it's not sharing. It's a commercial transaction. But it is about like this more efficient use of a resource, whether it's a car, a house, in this case, a boat. Um, we have seen, though, like a lot of sharing economy concepts not take off. Like there, I remember a startup for like sharing you know, household tools like lawnmowers or, or electric drills. Why would they think that was going to work? First well, of all, you know, don't just, go in my shed and take my lawnmower. You're this, not going to change the oil on it. You know, just, just this concept that, you know, that like, oh, you know, if your neighbor has an electric drill, it's going underused most of the time. Why wouldn't they want to rent it out? But it turns out that like the, the frequency or need is not that great. And, you know, Oh, like, what if you don't get your electric drill back? You know, there there are a lot of good human reasons why this Airbnb concept doesn't actually apply across many categories. Right. I, I almost want to say, thinking about where it does work, say, boats or houses, maybe the bigger the ticket, the item, the more likely you are to take care of it, to use it uh, sporadically, which is probably the model that's for the consumers, and you can charge enough money for it that it's actually worthwhile to the owner. Like right. if you were going to rent my drill for $3 or whatever and then you didn't bring it back, I'm $30 worth of angry for a $3 bit of revenue to make yeah, my life. Yeah, it's just not worth it. It's the... not worth it. It's, it's too small potatoes to make the transaction and, and even a low-friction marketplace work. But boats yeah. are notoriously expensive, to your point. Right. Um, they are easy to share because you're not going to be on your boat all the time unless your life is awesome. And if it mm-hmm. is, call me. Um, but yeah, I think this is pretty cool. I think um, I think it's one of the few models that does work. And I'm curious to see how fast they can grow with $10 million more. It's yes, a lot of money. They've got 40 employees now, so let's see if that uh... – that uh, becomes the the next big company here, um, you know. It's certainly it's certainly a good location in uh, you know in in watery uh, watery San Francisco. We do have we do have water both outside the city today in the ocean and coming down from the sky, which is why I'm currently soaking wet. Thank you, Bessa, for that. So VMware that's a that's a company you don't hear a lot about, especially if you're you know just kind of an ordinary tech consumer. But they went out and bought a. Uh, a little startup called E8. Yeah, so this caught my eye because VMware is a, a very well-known company on the enterprise side of things. But E8 part of the Dell empire now, right? There's the, the Dell EMC VMware trifecta or triumvirate, whatever you want to call them, is a, an interesting bit of financial. Um, I don't know chicanery, ingenuity. <laughs> chicanery yes. is probably a better word. Yes. Uh, but anyway, so E8, what's what's going on with this deal, and why why would the average person care? Well, VMware uh, makes a lot of tools for other businesses. One of the things, you know, you know, everyone has too many passwords. You go to work, and it's like you've got 10 systems, 10 different logins, 10 different passwords. VMware, like Microsoft, like many other companies, 
uh, is trying to simplify that login process so that you just have one login that you use across multiple systems. So they're planning to use E8, which has some artificial intelligence um, technology that's really good at detecting, you know, evildoers who are trying to like break <laughs> into your system, hack into your password. Um, that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. There was a company called Okta, which went public, I think, in the past year, yes. also San Francisco-based. Yes. Well, I mean, so we pulled some data for you guys. So Okta, again, a company that you probably haven't yeah. uh, heard of unless you've been forced to use it. And actually, I am a regular Okta user yes. uh, because a company that I, that I used to work for uh, uses it for their login stuff. Um, anyways, um, Okta went public in 2017 in April 7th, so really almost exactly a year ago today, for $17 a share. They raised about $187 million in their IPO. And today, critically, they're now worth nearly $39 a share. So a very successful IPO, a very strong run, implying, if I may, a lot of market demand for this sort of product. Yeah. And maybe that's why E8 went out and found itself a bigger home uh, in the great uh, embrace of VMware, which is you know one of the middle plus tier size tech companies out there. Yeah. So this is not a gadget you're going to buy. This is not software you know you're going to download to your smartphone, but it is you know on your own as an individual. But these workplace uh, these workplace management tools really deal with problems that cost businesses a lot of money. So yes. there's a lot of money to be made if you can simplify it, make it better. Um, stop hacking. Uh, there's a there's a lot of upside. Yeah, and just as as a final point on this, the the whole world of security is more in vogue in the spotlight now than usual because everyone's getting hacked, and so it's a good thing to see this sort of activity because it implies that at least uh, big companies are taking very seriously the importance of bolstering not just enterprise security but, if I may, all of our security. Well, one thing uh, one thing that's making me feel a little insecure is. Uh, Everything Elon Musk is up to. So <laughs> Every, that's a broad category. It, it is like, um, you know, like I, I'm kind of afraid if I were on Jeopardy, uh, you know, the um, the question would be like, which of which of these fields is Elon Musk not in? So he's got cars, he's got rockets, uh, he has oh, the, um, the the boring company digging yes, all the holes. He, to the earth. And and he has flamethrowers. Let's not let's not lose time on that. Yes, those were but, just those were just cigarette lighters with a handle. But he also has uh, a company here in San Francisco called Neuralink, which most people haven't heard of. So, what is the the bubblegum wrapper sized explanation of what this company does? It's trying to link your brain up to everything. There you go. To the internet. It's in, so the way it Elon works, Musk wants to upload his brain to the internet, basically. Right, the singularity and so forth. But the way that the product works is you take an Ethernet cable and you insert it into your nostrils. And then you breathe in. Very, no, that's not how Folks, uh, we do not recommend doing this. <laughs> do not, if you're listening to this at home, do not grab an Ethernet cable and put it in your nostril. That is not good. Exactly. You put it in your ear and that's no. a much better connection. Anyways, no. How does it actually work? Uh, well, Neuralink is not saying... Uh, they surprised. are very, they're very secretive and stealthy. But we do know that they tried to open up an animal testing facility in San Francisco, and this got people really upset because they love fluffy animals, and they do not yet love shoving Ethernet cables in bodily orifices. I see. I'm fine for doing that to humans, but not not puppies. I mean, yeah. Do not do not put an Ethernet cable in a puppy. Right now, I Elon Musk. Think about the puppies. <laughs> I presume this is more of a, a thing you wear over your head, if I had to guess, about how the connection is going to work. So I don't think it's going to be that intrusive. But um, we don't really know. And animal testing has a stink about it. 
if I may, because yes. it's often used by cosmetic companies and other uh, large firms in an abusive way that we don't find good. And uh, Owen, if you don't know, has a beautiful, beautiful dog in his life. Follow her on Instagram at Ramona Terrier. There you go. And uh, I am uh, now dog father to two gloriously cute Havanese pups, and who I think the world of. And so we have a very obvious bias here. But the important thing is, you know. But and- if they test, what if they tested on fluffy bunnies? Are we okay then? You know, I, I'm kind of, I'm not a bunny partisan. I don't really care. In fact, I would recommend to use this on cats because I don't like cats. Um, but but the do speak to be prepare, to be clear. prepare for the hate tweets from yeah. the cat lovers. Anyways, uh, bringing this back gently, if this is a non-intrusive test, animals are probably a reasonable place to start with proper controls and so forth. But NSF, that point's not going to have a lot of carry because animal testing around here is. Um, it's just you know, come on, Elon. Have you know you read got, the, read the room, Elon. You've got that big factory in Fremont. Just take a little corner of Tesla. Do it in the SpaceX, you know, rocket launch facility. Drill a tunnel underneath yeah, San Francisco. you can make your own room. Yeah, have a secret animal testing lab deep in the bowels of San Francisco that you never disclose. See, this is the, the type of insights people really come to Startups of the Week for. It's all about how to build a new bat cave for the resident local billionaire. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they raised $27 million, and uh, they did not return our request for comment, but shout out to Gizmodo for getting the news, and that is uh, Elon Musk's part-time job called Neuralink. Well, I think that does it. Um for those of you listening, uh, next week will be either episode seven or maybe it'll <laughs> be episode eight or... As long uh, as it's not six again. We can't have six, six, six in a row. Yeah, no. We're going to try to avoid leaving you into deviltry here. And with that note, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And crunchbase.news. I'm Owen Thomas. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz. Our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. And our producers are Peter Hartlob, Brittany Schell, and Claire Varelos. The music you just heard is Botfest by Alex Vaughn. If you like what you heard, good news. There's more. Listen to Chronicle Podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com slash podcast or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or other streaming services. 